0: This is my journey. Inspired one story at a time, a library of leaders was created. It began as a journey to learn. As time went on, it began to grow. All it needed was a platform, and this podcast was created. To listen, to inspire, to share. I am a storyteller, and this is my journey. Welcome to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. I'm your host Steve Anderson, and today we're going to do something different. So, back in November of 2020, I in, in episode 78 on Profiles in Leadership, I interviewed Jim Landsman, and he's the co-founder and president CEO of Atlas Injury Prevention Solutions. And he just had this horrifying story about how he caught the coronavirus in July of 2020, when no one really knew what was going on. It was really early in the um, pandemic. And I just thought it would be interesting to catch up with him going on two and a half, almost three years later, to see how he's doing, what he learned from the experience, and just kind of get an update from Jim Landsman so uh, if you go back and listen to that episode you know that uh, he he caught the coronavirus as I said in July of 2020 he went into the hospital and his uh, doctors told him at the time if he'd waited another 24 hours he probably would have died he spent 10 days on a ventilator and uh, it turns out he is one of the only patients to survive in 2020 from this particular hospital that came off in the ventilator and uh, continued continued to live. So he had this near death experience and, uh, and and I just thought it would be really interesting to catch up with him and and and, and see uh, how he's doing today. You know, he talks in this uh episode a lot about the importance of having a medical advocate uh when you're in the hospital and and so uh helpless like he was. And uh we we knew so little about the about COVID in 2020 that it was just really scary times. So uh, we know a lot more, but there's still a lot we don't know about COVID. Uh, he talks about the toughest part of this was the isolation, just the uh, just the, uh, the the horrible uh, nature of being isolated and just being feeling so alone. He also had these fantastical hallucinations, which um, we now know that that's that's pretty common with these COVID patients that were on ventilators for a long time. But at the time, it was just uh, seemed so uh, crazy. Uh, yeah, I asked him, you know, what, what he learned from that uh, experience, and you'll hear him talk about how, uh, you know, again coming back to isolation, how 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 tough it is as 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 humans as a human being to go through that, and that the connection with with your loved ones and, and friends and family is, is just so important, and and the you know going forward is just you know be present and just enjoy what you're doing every day. It really makes you look back and have a different outlook on life. So Jim's going to share with us what he's doing today and how he's doing. And again, a really interesting episode. So a little bit shorter than the normal because it is an update and a second time around for Jim. But I just thought it'd be really interesting to check in with him. So let's uh, let's hear what he has to say and, and see how he's doing. Jim, welcome to the program. Uh, gosh, it's been uh, two and a half years, I think now, since we talked uh, before and uh, your ordeal and and nightmare with uh covid and being on a ventilator um i just thought it'd be fun to to check back in with you and get an update and see how things are going um uh it's been a while so fill us in how how are you feeling and and um uh, how are you doing
1: well, Steve, I appreciate the call
0: and the opportunity to connect again.
1: I feel good um, uh, you know physically, things came back real quick for me, uh, but I went in really healthy. Um, the good news, bad news of that is, I lost thirty pounds and then gained it all back real quick. So I, I wish that wouldn't have happened, but you know, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, mentally, also uh, came back pretty quick. Uh, but as you might imagine, that's a pretty significant event. So that shifted me a little bit first, you know, as far as my perspective on life and that kind of stuff. But mentally and physically
0: went well it's gone well and, and it and it came back quickly well, it's so good to hear I mean, when you told the story originally about the hallucinations that you're having while you're on the ventilator, I think you're on the ventilator for ten days. is that right
1: yeah, yeah, exactly uh,
0: and uh you know I, it just sounded so wild and crazy, and I mean it was a nightmare for you, and it was just so fantastical but but now that we've kind of learned more about covid, we find out that that's a pretty common um, effect that that people that were on ventilators for long periods of time were hearing a lot of people had those similar you know nightmares and hallucinations and it just kind of that, that wasn't that unusual.
1: Yeah, I, you know that my as my family was investigating things as I was acting crazy like I was, um, they, you know they found out it it wasn't just COVID. It's a, I guess there's an ICU delirium that happens and and uh, boy I was I was deep in it. It was
0: it was quite a ride. Well, I just remember uh, it was—I think a nightmare is the good—the the good word because uh, um, it, it was absolutely frightening for you, and of course, uh, your family on the outside, uh, you know, saw some of the craziness, but wasn't experiencing what you're experiencing. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you remember. I mean, the quick short of it was that. I actually did not think the people that were in the hospital were there to care for me. I thought they were harvesting my organs and were trying to slowly kill me. And there wasn't a lot happening that made me think otherwise. So the whole time, you know, that that kind of sets your mind and the the paranoia and how do I get out? How do I escape? And all those kind of thoughts. It was, it was interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. Now we've heard a lot uh, since then too, as we learn more and more about COVID that, uh, uh, there's this thing called long COVID. So, uh, sounds like you're not having any uh, symptoms from what, what what people are calling long COVID.
1: Yeah, lucky enough, I haven't. Uh, I, again, I attribute that to the kind of the health I went into uh, with it. So, I, I'm in pretty good shape, and I and I run a lot, and I do a lot of physical activity. So, I think that helped.
0: Yeah. Uh, another statistic that's shocking, and I'm sure you're aware of. And correct me if I don't have this exactly right, but I think. Uh, I read somewhere that 80 to 85 percent of people that did go on ventilators during that time, during the heyday of COVID, um, never came off. And so, uh, again, a lot of those were elderly, as we know, but um, that's a statistic that's kind of daunting and has got to make you feel like, uh, boy, you dodged the bullet.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it was it was interesting because uh, about a year or so ago, we got to go to a, a Dave Matthews concert. And, you know, the whole history on that is there. But we met our ICU nurse that I connected with there, and I remember kind of briefly her telling me that I was the first one to survive being on a ventilator with COVID and ICU in this very large Daytona beach hospital. And it just didn't seem real. And when we saw her at the concert, we asked if that was true and she was, yeah, absolutely. That is, you were the first one to come off alive. And if you remember right, that's August. I mean, and, and if you think about when that epidemic uh, or pandemic started, I mean, this is, this
0: is quite a few months in and that's yeah. just scary. Yeah, it sure is. So, just fill us in a little bit too uh if you don't mind me going here how do you, how do you look at life now how, what's changed uh you know you said emotionally um or mentally you got over it pretty quick, but from from more an emotional standpoint and how you look at the world now is it different yeah, it is you know um
1: you find out later um Kind of who cares about you and your family um, there there's you know a small group of people that I, I think maybe I would have expected something different, and then you find this amazing larger group of people who you didn't even know or you didn't have a relationship with who just really cared for my family and uh, you know for me, that gave me a lot of hope for humanity right? that was just it was just interesting to see that I mean you, you see all the anger and the hate and i don't know if it's as, as big as it's in the media but I think when you get down to just people at their basic level, they are still a very caring and loving group of people. And and, and we found that out. So I think that was a a real, you know, interesting point uh, right away. The other thing for me is my, my world got much smaller and simpler. Um, You know, I think the, I think life throws a bunch of noise at you. And when it comes down to it, you know, there's, there are core things that are the most important to you. Mine is my wife and my family and that became that became very very clear, and uh, I think that was very important. It gave I think the word I use is clarity. Um, kind of pushed all the noise away, realized what was important, um, focused on that more so. Um, th- I don't think you're going to believe this, Steve, and it's a funny thing, but honestly, I, I just don't feel stress. Um, I don't. I just I feel content and happy. Um, and I just don 't feel the stress that I used to
0: so the things you used to worry about were silly and just uh not productive is Is that the way to think of it
1: yeah, I think so i, I think part of it 's just the noise of the world i mean there 's all this chaos that 's thrown at you and you know with news and this and that, and it 's just everything 's trying to grab your attention and it it you know sometimes it 's designed just to cause stress to to get your attention. And to to realize what's important, one, and then almost more important is to realize what's not important. And to be able to let those things go and really focus on what matters, you know, today, this moment, you know, this week, um, that's been magical for me. It really has been.
0: Yeah, that that's really interesting. You mentioned your wife and an immediate family. I mean, when you go through something like that, you're not the only one who has to deal with it uh, emotionally and, and mentally. Uh, how did they do? Did they they have some PTSD, so to speak, over it? Uh, how were how they doing?
1: Yeah, this was a lot tougher on them than me. Remember, I was kind of on a drug-induced ride, and, and they are, you know, waiting for the phone to ring to figure out if I lived or died. So for them, you know, the event is is very different. So that that took a bit. Um, you know, I, I like to run, and my wife wouldn't let me do it for months. She was afraid I was just going to keel over and die. So there was a lot of fear about what would happen. Um, you know, it, it's funny, is, though, is that this kind of awakening or this way to, to look at the world different did not happen for me because I almost died. Cause I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying. That's not the issue. It, it was unique that it was the isolation. And when you think about what families went through with COVID, you know, dying is probably what is inevitable for all of us, but it was the isolation from loved ones that caused all of the, you know, so much of the pain and the anguish. And that is what actually changed things for me. It was the isolation,
0: not the fear of death. And I, I think I said this on our first interview, uh, and I'll say it again: is that my wife's uh, mother died during COVID. She did not die of COVID, but she, and my wife says she died because of COVID because she was in an assisted living facility, and cognitively couldn't understand why people couldn't come and visit and couldn't come in the yeah. facility, and and she passed away before that that was lifted. It's uh, it's really sad. I think you hit it right on the head. Isolation for the human species is, is just horrible.
1: Yeah, you know, we're not, I, we're not made to operate that way. You know, my wife and I've talked about if something were to happen now, you know, and I look at her and I say, look, as long as you're by my bedside, it's all going to be good. Um, whether I live or die, honestly. And it, it just really is the isolation and being away from her and my kids that, uh,
0: that's so tough. Yeah. So going back to what you said about the stress thing, I think that's really interesting. Um, and that you don't feel that, and you don't, you know, worry about the little things as much anymore. Um, is there is there something you can teach us, or is there something that you can recommend or give us advice on, so that uh, more people could get that way without having to go through a, a near death uh, situation? I, I yeah, I mean, I give you some thoughts. I, I don't know if there's any
1: magic to it. Um, for me, it's it's kind of realizing. The noise that gets thrown at you. And so when you get isolated and the noise gets taken away, it's just like we love to hike. So going on a hike and going into a mountain, you know, the beauty of the simplicity of that moment, of the of whatever you're seeing, and and all the phone and all the news and all the stuff is gone. It it gives you that ability to realize that life just keeps throwing noise at you and it's never gonna stop. And so you have to be able to recognize it for, for what it is and kind of disconnect and let it be. Kind of live in its own little world. Decide if you want to dip your toe in or not, but not let it take over. Um, I think the second thing is, is if you can take that noise away, is defi- dis- decide what is important to you. Um, you know, For a lot of different people, it's going to be different things. It could be God, it could be family, it could be their dog, it could be whatever. But you have to fill that emptiness with something and you want to fill it with what's important. And you need to think about what's important because sometimes what you think is important maybe isn't and what isn't is, and so, um, you know, I've always, always loved my family, but after this, it was with a different intensity, and a different priority, and a different importance, so you got to fill it, and then, you know, our simple, our simple kind of motto for the family now is make memories, because I think, in the end of the day, I don't care how much money you make, or what you do, you know, when when it's time to go, what you're going to think about is those memories, and so we do everything we can to just, laugh, have fun, make memories, and, and just make every moment as special as we can. And, you know, just not worry about the rest of it. Um, I, and again, I I don't think I'm telling you anything that, you know, the great speakers in the world haven't said. Um, it's pretty simple.
0: It's not a complex equation.
1: It really isn't.
0: Yeah, it's a, about two or three episodes, or maybe four or five episodes ago on this program. I interviewed two people that wrote a book, and it was—it's the name of the book is Silence, and it's how do you find silence in a noisy world? And uh, there's a lot to that, you know, and they've done research on it, and, and and so on. And yeah, there's just so much information coming in and noise all the time. And uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, the hike is a good uh, uh, is a good you know way to do that uh we're lucky enough to live on a body of water here in Washington state my wife said the other day we need to spend more time in our kayaks you know because same thing you're out on that water there's no noise you just uh you hear the sounds of nature and the and and the lapping of the water and um it just puts you in a different space it does
1: it does i mean it's as simple as my wife and i every morning sit and have a cup of coffee together and we just talk about what's in our head how you're, you know, how the day went, what are you thinking? And you just, you just to get to put your mind right. And so you can do it in a lot of different ways.
0: So uh, update us on how's your business going? Um, just, uh, for those who maybe don't remember or didn't listen to the first episode, um, it's called Atlas. Um, and just, uh, get, you know, tell us what the business is and how it's going.
1: It's going really well. It's been. It was an interesting transition. Um, cause I don't know if, when how we talked about it back then, but if you might remember, um, you know, all of the on-site work was challenged when COVID was shutting down facilities. Essential workers, whether we were essential or not, all all part of that equation. And um, my team was phenomenal, and we pivoted quickly and started doing COVID temperature screens, and that revenue stream was actually pretty darn large, and it lasted into the end of. 2021. Um, the challenge was then we came off 21 and had to replace that revenue and things hadn't come up fully. So last year was kind of a transition year. The first half of the year was rougher than the second half of the year. And then things have really taken off. So for us, business has been, is outstanding. Um, growing very quickly. But it was a bit, you know, COVID caused a, quite a hiccup for all of us. And, you know, we weren't uh, outside of that.
0: And for those listening, go over again, just in a nutshell, what your business does and what you do.
1: We are, um, we specialize in preventing musculoskeletal injuries within workplaces. So quite simply, the harder the work is, uh, the better our services and technology apply we do everything from you know, physical ability screens to early intervention or industrial athlete programs, on-site physical therapy, ergonomics, um, just a whole wealth of things. Uh, we've got a, a, the largest network in the country of clinics uh, that we work with, so we can deploy services virtually anywhere in the lower forty-eight. So it's a it's a nice mix of technology and hands-on care and. You know, it's it's a it's a good solid business. My team is outstanding. I, I couldn't have uh, been blessed with a better team of folks that I've got, both on our corporate staff and our on-site staff, and they just do wonderful work every single
0: day. That's awesome. Now, you know, COVID is not over, as we know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People are still getting COVID right and left on a daily basis, it seems like. Uh, but I'm wondering the the panic of the pandemic and, and that part of it, I think, has, has moved on a little bit. And and have you noticed, have businesses, do they look at things any differently? Or do they just look at it as, okay, that was a blip and, you know, we got through it and we're, we're still here. And they just go back to what they were doing before? Or do it do you see significant changes the way they look at health and taking care of their people in their business?
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't know if I can give you a a good, strong opinion on that. The only thing that I I would tell you is that, you know, a good share of our business was based on office and office ergonomics and this debate of work at home and work in the office and its impact on that is still there. I think in, in our other market segments that we're in, I would say things are pretty much normal um so yeah, I th- I think there's definitely some residual on the office side. Just that whole debate that you hear you know in the news about that um but besides that things are pretty normal.
0: I think it'd be interesting to see how that come works out because I can see the argument on both sides. Um you're working from home more? And my guess would be your your ergonomic setup at home probably isn't as good as at the office. So you might say, from a musculoskeletal perspective, it it'd be, could be worse. Yet, on the other hand, if you're working from home, maybe you're not sitting for so many hours in one place in one spot. Maybe you're up and moving a little bit more. Uh, there's probably not enough uh, research or observation on that yet, but it would be interesting to see how that comes out.
1: Yeah. And I think there's the whole psychological part of just, for the people who are happy working at home, just that piece of just being happy of working at home. So um, you know, it's different being in a cubicle with amongst how many different people, and you're and you're all kind of a number. I, I, I'm
0: going to guess that has an impact as well. So you came, uh, your ordeal happened uh, in July of. 2020. Is 20, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, Started then. so you got out of it and, and uh, we, obviously we know the nightmare that you went through and how horrible that was. Um, give us a, give us something that makes you smile Since Then what, what's one thing that comes to mind that you can just say, wow, I, I just smile from ear to ear. Mm,
1: just my family. I mean, I'm knowing that it's the same word over and over again. It's that, um, I mean, it's, it's a funny side issue. My, My son is doing van life, and uh, he is living with him and his dog in a van for the next two years, traveling the U.S., and as he tells me, Dad, I'm going to retire before I start working. I'm going to go make more memories in two years than I'll ever have when I retire. And My wife and I struggled with that concept in the first because we're we're thinking, this is crazy. I mean, who does that stuff? We've never done that stuff. And quite honestly, um, I applaud him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great, uh, we look at things at a different perspective, you know, yeah, you too. I mean, that's the old adage that, you know, the, the people that, uh, uh, haven't made much money yet don't have enough money to do fun things. And then the people that make the money, you know, uh, it took too long to make it and now they have it and they, they can't do the fun things. So, um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, I wouldn't argue that that approach because, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to build memories for life on, on that trip. I know he is yeah I know he is yeah that's so great so
1: he makes me smile my family make me smile it's all good
0: that's so great to hear well just uh to wind up here uh, again I just wanted to get an update from you and see how you're doing and I'm, I'm just thrilled it sounds like you're doing great but uh, I always ask the same question you've answered it before so maybe it's different this time but if you could leave us with a pearl of wisdom uh today what would that pearl be
1: uh, be mindful today of the noise, get rid of it, be mindful of what you love and engage in it.
0: Well, that's, that's awesome. Well, Jim, it's, uh, it's been great to hear how well you're doing. As I said earlier, um, uh, I thought many, many times over this uh, pandemic, uh, what you went through and, and what you must've experienced and, uh, you wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it's great that you're here and loving life and, uh, and have, have a good update to give us. So, uh, congratulations. And, uh, Look forward to seeing you down the road again. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. To listen to all my interviews, subscribe to Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and many other popular podcast platforms. Some of these interviews are on video, and you can search YouTube for Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson. You can also access the entire library of interviews on my website, orange.coaching.com, and that is orangetheword.coaching.com, and go to the Media Center and click on Podcasts or Video Gallery. You can also enter the website from pilpodcast.com.